Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 790, with Stephen Simone, CEO and founder of Bebot. I haven't seen it. Like we've we have the system in hundreds of restaurants, and they hired tons more runners. The, the jobs change, but there's still a bunch of people there. You can't run it without people. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then. Join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. If you're sick of all of your employees coming to you for information, direction, and guidance on how to do the job right, that might mean you have a people-dependent operation. The operation depends on you. What you need is a system-dependent operation, and that's where Sweet Process can help. Sweet Process is a software that enables companies to have a central place for all their procedures, processes, and policies. By default, Sweet Process offers a free 14-day trial. By using our dedicated sign-up link, you will get an extended 28-day free trial. Go to www.sweetprocess.com slash unstoppable. Again, that's www.sweetprocess.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you already use and trust like toast, turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months absolutely free. Head over to www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S.com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Get on it. What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but before we get into it, just a quick reminder to please support the show. There's a few ways you can support the show. You can support our sponsors. You can use our links in the show notes. Uh, sometimes there's an affiliate opportunity there, and I just get paid out for helping you guys connect with the tools and services that are being rec- recommended organically. Share this podcast with anybody in the industry who's aspiring to gre- be great, especially restaurant owners and operators. The more people who listen to this, the better we're doing. And then lastly, the best way to support the podcast is to come join Restaurant Unstoppable Network, uh, where I'm literally connecting you, my listeners, with the the guests I'm having on the show, the most successful restaurateurs, the tools, technologies, and services they're recommending, and the experts that are being recommended. And uh, it's really it's this mentality. I'm trying to build this network off this mentality that we're stronger together, and that I'm trying to come from a place of a mindset of abundance, where if we come together. We support each other. We share knowledge and we lift each other up. We can literally transform the industry. And if we can transform the industry, I believe we will transform the world. Uh, This industry has so much influence and that's something you've got to be able to get behind. So um, with that said, today we're talking to Steve 
Simone, the founder and CEO of Bebot. And this was actually a live recording in the network. You can see that we have a Q&A at the end. So when you join the network, you literally get to connect with the CEOs and the founders of not only these restaurant these restaurants, but the, the tech companies that these restaurateurs are uh, recommending. Um, so if you're interested in these tools and services, you can literally talk to the founders. Like, how cool is that? So uh, that's what we did today. And the, the purpose of today's conversation was to share Steve's backstory to kind of get to know him, become a little bit more familiar with him and the story of Bebop, how Bebop became, uh, came to be and uh, the benefits of Bebop and uh, just kind of try to understand fully uh, the, the purpose of Bebop and how it can make our businesses better. So that's what we do today. We wrap up with a Q&A. Uh, lots of great stuff in today's conversation. Special thanks to Bebop for joining us, uh, Steve for joining us, and for being a sponsor of the show. I uh, wouldn't be able to do it without you guys. So here it is. It's a great episode. I hope you enjoy it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest founder and CEO of Bebot, Steve Simone. My man, Steve, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm feeling super unstoppable there. <laughs> yes, that is what we like to hear. So if you guys are not familiar with Bebot, uh, it's a company that creates mobile ordering technology for bars, restaurants, hotels, and other hospitality providers. Right, we're going to dive into Steve's story today. But before we dive into the story of Steve and Bebot, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. Steve, what do you got for us? All right. Well, I just told this one to my sales team, so I'll, I'll go with it. Uh, there's no next step if you're not on their calendar. There's no next step if you're not on their calendar. Talk to me about that. Why is that why is that what you chose to roll with? Well, it's top I mean, I got a lot I think I have a lot of little sayings I give the team, but that one was just top of mind because I was asking my sales team. I was like, "So what's the next step with XYZ account?" And then, you know, the sales people like to be like, "Oh, you know, it's going well, it's going well." And you say like, "Well, what is the actual next step?" And they're like, oh, I'm not on the, I don't have a meeting. <laughs> then you get them to say it. And then, so I told them like the only reason there's only a next step if you actually have a next step. Yeah. And I think it's, there's, there's like a two lessons here. Obviously that like planning ahead, having actually like, there's only a next step if you have a next step, but also the, the power of time blocking and like putting it on the calendar and like it won't happen until you make it happen until you put it on the calendar. Uh, I'm sure as an entrepreneur, time blocking has been huge in your life. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, this is not my first rodeo. I had a couple uh, failed ventures before this. We'll get into uh, it. Yeah, um, you have to you have to be really um, exacting, really precise with your time. Uh, you know, because if not, you just are speculating all day on on meetings that might not help drive your business forward. So, and sometimes you, and then there's times when you do need to speculate because you need to like have as many collisions with the universe as possible to hopefully you know, have that like serendipitous moment where you can grow your business. So like it's this constant like battle between like trying to focus on growing internally versus trying to collide with objects in the universe that can help grow your business. Oh, what, what's the book where they talk about that, that idea, Tony from uh, is it shoe. It's um, the Zappos guy selling happiness or something like that. He talks about just like the touch points and like I'm bumping up against people. Uh, I think it's probably a conversation for another day. I mean, unless you yeah, really no, want to go into that, but yeah, Tony Shea. I, yeah. yeah, I'm sad about the news of him. Oh no, I didn't even hear. Oh, uh, to- yeah, he. Well, you. I know you see Tony passed. Oh like, really? Uh, yeah, it's super sad. It was that a couple it? weeks ago. Oh my gosh, sorry to bring that up. Well, you know, <laughs> no worries. Hat. I don't mean to take it dark. Tip of here, the hat to Tony. He was, 
yeah, he's a he was a brilliant. I'll just I guess he was a brilliant entrepreneur. I really liked all his stuff he he wrote. For yeah, sure. uh, well, let's let's pay Tony some uh, some homage and or homage, yeah, homage, some respect, yeah, some respect <laughs> and check out his books. Some re- I'm happy he he shared those life lessons for sure. Yeah. So let, let's get into your story. Um, where does it make sense to start sh- sharing your story? I know that you uh, you met your business partners in the Navy, uh, so maybe it starts or makes sense to start there. Yeah, I, yeah, it does. I think that's a good place. So we are, um, me and my co-founders, we're friends first. You know, we met in the Navy. Um, I've known those two guys, Luke and Greg, for over 10 years. We were nuclear engineers um, and really electrical engineers as our, like, um, college years. And so we were really into robotics, which is why we never changed the company name from Bebot. But after the Navy, we moved to San Francisco and like did a bunch of tech startups and eventually tried to start a robotics company called Bebot. <laughs> okay. I'm curious, what's the B and Bebot stand for? So the Bebot doesn't actually mean anything. Okay. Um, the, my, my niece really, at the time, this was 2017, um, the Star Wars movies, the new ones were pretty hot. And my niece, I was home for Christmas. My niece really likes BB-8, that like circuit, you know, BB-8, like the robot, yeah. it's like a circle. So I derived Bebot from that. <laughs> okay, awesome. So one thing I'm curious about, and um, I mean, obviously we're here today to really dive into Bebot and the backstory of Bebot. But as a entrepreneur, I think the lessons you can share with us, uh, the the success you had, are are universal, right? Uh, one of the things that comes up, um, and I think I think this is one of those lessons where you hear it, you hear like. You hear contrasting advice a lot in the world, right? Sometimes people say never go into business with friends or family. And other times people say only go into business with friends and family. You seem to be leaning in that direction. So what are the pros and cons of going to friend in the business with, with hmm. your, your best friends? Uh, I would say so. My business before this um, was a video tech startup in San Francisco. We didn't succeed, but I went into business with a uh, guy who I really like, I, I met him through business. Like, so it wasn't a friend first, you know what I mean? Um, and I think for that business, we didn't succeed because as two founders there, we didn't have the skill sets required to scale and build a video tech company. So I don't think it's actually about friends versus not friends. One of the lessons learned I learned from that failure is for the next company I do, like, the the founding team should have most of the elements covered of like the base skills required to get it off the ground. Uh, That's like the key. I don't don't think it's a friends versus not friends thing. You just have to have the right. And that's a lot. There's a lot of truth to that. And um, you know, I I tend to lean towards, I think a business relationship is a marriage unless I think it all depends on what kind of person you are. For me, it's about like, I, it would have to be heavy relationship. You know, I'd have to know those people have my back and that they're in it with me. Right. And I'd have to trust them with my life, like a marriage. Right. Um, and, but also I think that the people that are successful in life, there's always seems to be the serendipitous, like, Oh, we happen to be best friends and Oh, we all happen to compliment each other and the, 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 the skills we bring to the table. So it sounds like that's kind of what was going on here. Yeah, definitely. And like, not to make fun of myself, but on the company before this, I was, the um, person responsible for coding a lot of the video tech and I'm not an expert in video tech. So it was really hard for me. So I didn't have the right skill (laughs) to like actually succeed at that. And so this, in this business, I'm more of the sales marketing side, which I'm a little better at than the coding side. And those other two guys are better at the engineering. So like we just, you got to have that right mix. Totally. Got it. Um, So I'm curious and we don't have to spend a lot of time here, but what was the video tech startup? 
Oh, I was, uh, <laughs> I was trying to do like a Snapchat for sales teams. Like it's like a video selling tool. So like you would send like video messages and of your pitch to prospects. Okay. It was, it was kind of a bad idea. <laughs> uh, salespeople I, I learned when I was trying to like get account executives in Silicon Valley to use it. They didn't really like going on camera. They'd rather just like call or email the prospect. So it was, it was hard to, it was hard to get adoption. So you, so you started Bebot in 2017 with your partners, mm-hmm. Greg and Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was going on between the failed startup and 2017? Well, I love the journey of entrepreneurship. Uh, it's certainly not about the money because no. could definitely make more money just at a big tech company. Uh, I just like, we like trying to build and start companies and we were winding VidFluent down and I was talking with Luke and Greg over some beers. They had actually approached me for um, an overhead robotics business where it's like, um, you've seen like sushi conveyor belts. Yeah. They wanted to basically put those on ceilings um, to deliver drinks and food from like, basically goes up and over across the ceiling. So like a sushi conveyor belt, but more high tech. Okay. And so we, and as you know, we're all robotics, electrical engineers. It just was an exciting thing to build together. So we just started kind of hacking on that nights and weekends, not no company in mind at the time. Yeah. And that was 2017. Yeah. So what, yeah. And what so, was going on before that? That do you think might have set you up for success? I'm just, you know, just being out in this in San Francisco and was it right off the heels of the field venture with the video tech startup? I know I had a, I like went back and licked my wounds at a, at a company <laughs> to make some money and like nights and weekends at that when I was at that company, we were hacking on Bebot. So you, um, you already pointed out that it's important to know your lane and to stay in your lane and to surround yourself with people who are stronger than you are in certain verticals. What were the other lessons you learned um, with that failed startup? Well, I actually, I learned a lesson about, uh, and I didn't follow this lesson. So I learned a lesson at Bidfluent of like, you should just kind of listen to the customer and build what they want. Um, and then, and that's not rocket science, but then with Bebot, we ignored that again at first and just built a robot we wanted, (laughs) um, and didn't talk to any like restaurants or bars about it. So I knew the lesson, but we didn't want to listen to that lesson, uh, and, and so then we sold one of these robots to a nightclub who actually wanted it though. But then we found out what they really wanted was more powerful software. Okay. And when we, once we started listening to them, well yeah. then the rest is history. That's a good cue for our first break. We're going to take our first break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to dive into, um, deeper into this lesson that you're sharing with us. Do you have team members asking you the same questions over and over again? That's because the business hinges on a person, you. You don't want people-dependent operations. You want system-dependent operations. Growing up in the restaurant industry, my dad would always say, you don't own a restaurant, a restaurant owns you. And that's true until you can replace yourself with systems, procedures, processes, policies, tools, and technologies. And that's where Sweet Process comes in. Sweet Process is a software that enables companies to have a central place for all their procedures, processes, and policies. It makes it easy for management managers and their ground-level employees to collaborate together to create these procedures, processes, and policies. It also makes it easy to continuously improve these documents together. Sweet Process becomes the one source of truth, the one place where every employee, regardless of their role in the restaurant, can go to find information on how work is done right. By default, Sweet Process 
process offers a free 14 day trial. But if you go to www.sweetprocess.com slash unstoppable, you can get an extended 28 day free trial. That's www.sweetprocess.com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back and you just dropped a huge lesson on us. Uh, the power of, of just having a minimal viable product. We're not even necessarily that, but the more importantly, starting with something and just being receptive to what the, the market is asking for. And they'll tell you exactly what to do. And that was a lesson you learned. Um, so what was it exactly that people were asking for? Okay. So the robot actually is really cool. It's still, it's still operational. It brings the drinks from the ceiling down to your table where the QR code is. This was can I, 20. Can I install this in my living room? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. We'll get you one. Yeah. So this was um, 20, 20, early 2018 and you ordered from a QR code. That's how the robot knew which table to drop it at. And so what, that was pretty powerful at the time. People were like ordering on their phone at these bars and a couple other bars saw it and were just like, oh, can I have that but without the robot? Like I want my guests to be able to order on their phone from a QR code in 2018. And so we said, oh yeah, sure, I guess. I mean, we, we were like, we just built these robots, but if you just want the software, fine, sure. <laughs> but it's and it's huge. And it, uh, um, you know, I think that, what's the big lesson there? Just regurgitate it one more time. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the major lesson is just build something the customer wants. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and at this time, so what was, why do you think that was a demand? What, what was the, why was the market asking for this? Um, so the, it was a small market that we're asking. It's much more people asking for it now, but then oh, it yeah. was just crowded bars. Like there was a bunch of crowded bars in Brooklyn in the New York market that were just trying to figure out how to solve a bottleneck issue. Yeah. So, um, take us through like, what the, obviously the, the, the bottleneck issue with a bunch of people trying to go to the bar or the servers being bottlenecked at the POS system. Um, when they started using this technology, what was the report back? How were, how was their life getting better? And like, what were the efficiencies bottom line? Like how, yeah, how was, how was everything that, changing? This is the cool. I always get the best quotes from customers. This is the coolest thing that I've been told, or I think one of the coolest things is just, you could have some, the owners of this one bar told me you, Steve, you can have the best, waiter waitress server in the world but if the table is holding them up if the table is asking for recommendations asking for more details complaining about something then there's a bunch of other tables in her section that aren't getting to ask so even with the best staff in the world you still can't get maximum service and that's why I like the that's why I like the QR code ordering system. Yeah. So uh, originally it was used for the being able to, to place orders. At what point were you, did you guys evolve and be able to actually do the the whole transaction from placing your order to paying and leaving? Was that at this point were you able to do that? Yeah, I mean, so the we launched it with the order and payment at the same time and now we've added things like tabs, starting tabs and um, you know, closing that tab out at the end. So it all, it always started with the order pay and tip up front, which people thought was weird that you tip up front, but, uh, it seemed to not care. The guests didn't seem to mind. Okay. Is that still the case now? Is it tip up front? Well, it depends. I mean, if you, you know, with our, with other functionality we've launched, you can, uh, start a tab and close it at the end. But a lot of, a lot of most of our customers, yeah, you just still order and pay as you go. Okay. Got it. So, um, I, I feel like we might've like kind of, sped or fast forward through the evolution of Bbot. Yeah. Um, 
you guys started again in 2017. So it, it, it took about a year from 2017 to 2018 to actually have a functioning robot arm. Uh, robot, uh, a crane system that goes on the sea. It's like track based. Okay. So but no, arm. We, we didn't do an arm because we're not making things. It was a delivery robot. Uh, yeah. So is that still in the, 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 the play for you guys? Is that still what you're trying to work towards or has that become just an afterthought? Uh, yeah, we're more of a software company now. However, um, we still support our first customer who uses two of those robots. It's called Tokyo Kitty in Cincinnati. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, they, they leverage them. It's very successful there, downtown Cincinnati. And then there's a couple other restaurants that are trying to switch to full ceiling robotics right now. I can't name them because they're under NDA, but we'll probably sell a bunch more robots in the next year. Yeah. I, I honestly think that that, you know, like that's still a very viable product in the future. And I think you're going to start to see people wanting this, especially now it's never been harder to find people to work. People are still collecting unemployment. Um, and when do you think that that demand is going to start to kind of rear its head? Cause I think it's right around I mean, the corner. I'm, I'm actually seeing some interesting like demand percolating is okay. So here's the cool trend that's happening. So now everyone's buying our software and our competitors have a similar product to us. And that's all on those QR codes are all going on tables now. So now it's just one more. That's kind of like the first step. Once those are on the table, it's just another transition to the robot. Um, so actually like all the competitors are just helping us out. <laughs> Wait, explain, explain that a little more. I don't quite understand why. So like right now what's happening in restaurants is, is pretty insane. Like it's just, I'm, I mean, I, I don't sleep much right now. It's crazy. Like, all, we have a couple competitors too, and all these restaurants are buying this QR code order and pay at the table technology. So those are that's just happening in like restaurants everywhere. Yeah. And so now, once guests are ordering and paying on their phone, the net, it's natural now to then upgrade your restaurant to automate it even further and buy some ceiling robots. So, it, like, it's kind of just it's pretty. Well, cool. that was one of my, the, my one of my interests. So, I mean, you guys have been around since 2017, obviously. 2020 hits right um everyone's like oh the world's falling around us like what was going through your mind were you like oh my god i think we're like set up for like super success right now like what was going through your mind okay so this is the other part of entrepreneurship like we were growing pretty well but it wasn't like exponential growth it was like linear growth like people thought our tech was cute you know like oh qr code at the table some restaurants needed it a lot of them weren't that interested 2020 hits. I mean, rest, that's what I'm saying. What's happening. Restaurants totally changed their view of this kind of digital menus, uh, and using digital technology inside of restaurants. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it's been pandemonium for a, a well, year. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, what happened with COVID-19 is all these things were happening. I think your, your evidence of this, your proof of this, all these things, like the industry was changing. The technology was up, like the, the, the things we could do were, was just exponentially growing like the, the creativity around service or just streamlining process. All the tools were there. Technology was there. The restaurant industry has just been super slow to adopt it. And I think it's because the owners were afraid that consumers wouldn't want to break from the status quo or whatever habits they're used to COVID-19 hits. And we were forced to use and to accelerate all these technologies are already there at our disposal. We had no option. That was the only thing we could do to stay in business. Um, and then I guess what, what I'm hearing from you is that because 
you were so ahead of the curve because you already had this ordering this ordering uh, solution and then you also beyond that have the robotic solution that you were just ahead of the curve and now you're all these other companies that are also doing exactly what you're doing are just helping break the mold a little bit faster and you're sitting pretty because now you have the delivery solution too with the technology, like the, the, the robot solution. Is that, am I hearing you right? Yeah. I would add one more thing I'm seeing on top of that though. And this is the most exciting part not to get ahead to where Bebot's heading next, but we'll talk the, about that for sure. The, um, so all the restaurants now are embracing, you know, off the self off the shelf, digital technologies, whether that's Bebot or any number of Bebot-like companies. What I'm finding that's really cool, though, is restaurants are actually also now becoming tech companies, like in that even a small business owner is thinking, hey, how can I customize this solution a bit more? Um, And so I think right now, I'm I'm excited about what I'm seeing in restaurants and restaurateurs thinking like tech companies more, demanding more out of these solutions, and even some of them building some stuff in house. Uh, so the next decade is going to be incredibly exciting for it's true, man. And there's a book uh, you probably read. It It came out in 2012 abundance. Are you familiar with that book? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, and what he projects back in 2012 is happening now where we have like this economy of DIY, right? And the more like all this information is available to us on YouTube channels and videos, like we can, anything you want to learn, you can learn. Uh, you can get it like a, an electrical engineering degree or a nuclear degree online to set you up to be able to, to like do the stuff that you're talking about. And everybody loves food. It's universal. We all eat it. So you're having all these people with unique skill sets coming to the table and finding solutions with their unique backgrounds, or they're just figuring out how to do it themselves. And we're just creating solutions left and right. And it's a really exciting time. Yeah, restaurants uh, and restaurateurs are um, like they're now that they've like looked at the landscape and seen what's available out there, they want even more. Like sometimes my company can't even satisfy their needs. <clears throat> and so I'm excited about like what they're going to come up with next. And that drives our product roadmap. But also, we would like to build a tool that is like self service for them so they can extend it. Because yeah. I honestly do see the next 10 years is restaurants doing a lot of their own tech. Yeah, and honestly, um, we're gonna have to because the market's changing, changing so fast. Uh, the there's fewer and fewer jobs available. I don't know if it's because there's more and more. I don't, you know, it's. I'm not sure exactly why. What are some of your thoughts as to why we're leaning more towards technology and less towards human <clears throat> labor? Human labor. I think the there's a couple of reasons. One, and I, I'm just gonna steal quotes from my customers. Uh, so I had a customer before COVID using our tech and after, and their experience after COVID using our same product is Steve. It's way easier now. The guests accept it, and but more importantly, it's not a, the guests. It's not about the guests. Our staff just accepts it. Our staff says, "Oh yeah, it actually is easier." I, I don't know why we fought this system before. Um, so just they just said it's way easier. Uh, just a mind shift, you know. Sometimes something like a global pandemic can just change people's mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I just want to uh, address and acknowledge the the comments coming through in the, the chat section. Okay. Uh, we're going to have time for Q and a, I see your questions coming up. Uh, so if you do have a question, make sure you put it into the chat section in case you aren't here at the end. Uh, and I'll be sure to ask those questions for you. So thank you for typing right. in your questions. Um, so, you know, I think one of the issues with people uh, being afraid of 
of adopting technology is because they're afraid of being replaced by technology um, and jobs going away. What are your thoughts on that? Just haven't really seen it um, in, in terms of, well, in most of history, like it just, people always find a way to work and uh, we're beasts of burden, you know, over the last 200 years, you know, people said we're going to all that tech. That's been a common thing for hundreds of years, I guess. And it just hasn't really happened. We've found ways to invent podcasts and now look at you, you're yeah. your podcast host. I mean, just people do find new stuff. Um, and then just in the, in the, that's in the macro, in the micro data, just, I haven't seen it. Like we've, we have the system in hundreds of restaurants and they hired tons more runners that the jobs change, but there's still a bunch of people there. You can't run it without people. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm only referencing this book a ton right now because I, li- yeah. I literally listened to it on my way down and back from Florida. So, but to, to address that conversation of why um, I don't think we should be afraid of being replaced by technology is because I think the world is moving in a direction where one of the arguments he makes in that book and he, his name is escaping me right now. Um, Peter, diamandis i think is i'm not quite sure how to say it peter diamandis is his name he um so he he makes a point that like one of the biggest shortages right now in the world is that we don't have human potential like or or, or the human mind is preoccupied with covering things like um maslow's hierarchy of needs making sure that we have food and shelter and making sure we have security and that we live in a world where all of our energy just goes into satisfying those most primordial like primordial like needs the things we need and if we make those things universal like universal health care and the, the idea of actually food becoming free is a real conversation like within 10 or 15 years away and the question is okay well if food becomes free what are restaurants going to do and the answer to that is well it's not like it, the most successful restaurant tours know that it's not about the margins you're making on the food it's about the, the, the experience that you're delivering and and that's what the the best restaurant tours do is they de- deliver hospitality and a great experience so if we can free up the human bandwidth to not be focused on doing the thing like taking the order or even making the food which is kind of scary to think because there's going to be robots to do that then that that's freed up human potential bandwidth to figure out how to create a better experience or to, to do things like to have a better relationship with guests and to walk around and really engage with people, you know? So I don't know what are your thoughts when, when I'm sharing that? I mean, I think just overall it goes back to what I'm seeing out there in the market, which is when I, when people talk and investors do this, they always make this mistake. When people talk about restaurants, they talk about it as this like broad category but actually it's like a thousand micro categories. Like there are so many, each restaurateur I talk to like has a little bit of a different angle on what experience they want to provide. And that then dictates what kind of tech they want or what kind of staffing they want or what kind of decor they want. Even just the service style, how the ordering should flow It's all, there's just so many different like unique micro segments inside of restaurants. So it's like hard to like make a broad, it's really hard to make a broad generalization across that that category because they're all so different, and that, I think that's what's really exciting for me. Yeah. All right. I feel like <laughs> I got a little distracted, but I was really interested. In I don't know. I didn't mean to dodge. I just no, man. It's you're fine. Um, I know it's the people that are a, hard to. The restaurants <laughs> are just so varied. For sure, and I'm sure the, the folks that are joining us today are like Eric. Ask more questions about Bbot and the functionality <laughs> of Bbot. No, I'm I just love, getting distracted. I love philosophical. Right. We yeah. can go philosophical. <laughs> so let, let's just talk more about Bbot. Let's get back because I'm I'm getting distracted because I I love talking let's to tech talk people. Talk free will. Let's yeah. Talk. Right. <laughs> so um so. Yeah. 
in, re- in reference to Bebot, so th- where are you today? Paint that picture of, you know, what you, you kind of painted the picture of how you guys started and how you par- started paying attention to the market and listening to what they want. Where is Bebot today? I know you guys have kind of like yeah. two verticals. You have the in, in venue vertical and the online vertical. So get into those, break those two things down for us real quick. Yeah, where we're at today is we're selling two different products. One is our in venue QR codes at the table, order, pay, tip, uh, and that's, that's really focused on the in-venue restaurant operation. And then we have a white label online ordering product, very similar to um, something like a Chow Now. What do you mean by white uh, label? White label meaning it, we brand it to your restaurant's Got brand. It. So not, not on Bebot. It's not on like a marketplace, just Got white it. labeled to your restaurant. Um, very inexpensive product. So it's targeted um, for the small businesses that that need a white label branded solution for their online ordering. Okay. And that's right through the website, right? It's not an app. It's not like a, anything like that that you have to plug in. It's like it's built right into the website. Correct. That's that's right into the website and it's um at a price point that a small business can afford. Okay. So let's start with the in venue. Um let's <clears> pretend <throat> I'm a consumer. Um I enter your restaurant. Take me through the journey of Bebot. Yeah, so usually we recommend like a a host or a, uh, we call them like a champion or a captain rather is greeting the guest just like a normal restaurant. Um, they sit you down at the table and explain how the ordering system works at this restaurant. So you kind of change the restaurant flow a bit and say like, Hey, welcome. Um, you know, you can, I can take your order or you can put in anything you want anytime through this system right here. Uh, and that's, that's the flow. Like that's the simple basic easy flow. So this person um, will probably have a tablet in their hand or they can write it down and enter it at the POS if they want to. So you're giving that person who doesn't maybe have a phone or doesn't like to use technology, the option to order the old fashioned way. Yeah. So they can have a B-Bot handheld device. So we offer the server, um, whatever you call this role, we like to call it uh, the floor manager. They can have a handheld um, and they can take your order right there. And it integrates with the um, guest as well. The guest can also place an order on their own phone. Okay. So if the guest chooses to place the order on their own phone, they're just scanning the QR code on the table. Yep, exactly. That pulls in the menu um, from Bebot or integrated with their point of sale. Okay. So backpedal a little bit. Um, If they choose to go with the option of the server, uh, and they they place that that initial order. Does it kind of mess with like the operations of like? Do we have to be more like more mindful of like? Oh, this person's probably if they want anything else, they're probably not going to use the app because they placed their order with me. How do you address that issue? So we're keeping track of it um, at the table management level. Um, so essentially, that's my way. So essentially, um, like if we have a system where, like, let's say you and I order on our phone. Um, the server can see that on their handheld and add to that same check. Cure. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> got it. So if we choose to use the, our own phone to scan the QR code, um, then, uh, a web browser pops up and, um, that's what is that web browser? So I just, um, you know, for iPhone, it's defaults to Safari, uh, Android, probably Google Chrome. 
we have a mobile responsive page branded to that restaurant's brand. So you're not going to like the point of sale company's website. You're scanning the QR code, you're getting a branded experience and you're, um, you're basically selecting what you want and sending that into the kitchen or bartender yourself. Okay. So if you, okay. So one of the things you said, you could either, you could either use the software on your phone, which is the Safari website, mm-hmm. or it could redirect to the POS system. So you can either use, so the, the menus that are coming in on the browser are integrated with the point of sale menus. So you keep your inventory the same as a restaurant owner. Now, how many uh, at this, at this time, how many, I know you guys integrate with toast because that's one of the, the, the ways I discovered you guys is people are saying, Oh, this Bebot integration with toast. Uh, who else are you guys integrating with at this time? Yeah. So, um, we, we focus on casual dining segment, which those are toast, uh, micros, Aloha, are three of our major ones. And then later in this year, we'll finish up our upserve and square integrations. Okay. Beautiful. Um, and, that, and that's square for restaurants or all square. It would be all square. Okay. Awesome. Um, so what, what other element as far as the user end, um, it might, have we not discussed as far as how to use this that you think we need to discuss? Mm. Um, that's pretty straightforward on the consumer side. We're very focused, uh, something that differentiates us, on the operator side. So we have a couple um, pieces of hardware that are proprietary that let us do some unique things. Um, like what? For example... That was going to be one of my I, follow-up questions, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, for example, um, we're very operationally focused. Um, like, if you and I are at table one and we order two martinis, based on which QR code we scanned, we can send that to the correct bartender. So that's something very unique and something that's kind of missed on some of these online ordering competitors or other companies is they can't route menu items based on which table they're at in the restaurant when the guest self orders. And that's like, that's something we specialize in, which allows us to do large, really large high volume venues. So you mentioned that it can go with two, you can choose to which bartender it goes to. So, so if you have like multiple bars, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Which Normally, how a point of sale company does that is the server walks to the correct point of sale station. Ah, so point of sale companies are not very well equipped to handle this new type of situation, gotcha. and so that's when they bring in Bebot as a partner to do the dynamic routing based on QR code. Got it. Um, so one of the follow up questions is, what else makes you unique? So you have the ability to kind of route the order to the appropriate destination is what I'm hearing. Is that a good way to regurgitate what you said? Yeah. So yeah, dynamic routing of the order, dynamic fulfillment. So some restaurants are really trying to optimize labor. So on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if you and I scan the QR, it might tell us to go pick at the counter when the drink is ready from the bartender. Okay. But on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they they might bring in serving staff and runners and they can, in software, switch the logic of what the QR code does. So this allows, this. so the printer routing plus the dynamic staffing um, model that we provide allows you to really optimize your labor force. And those are two things that are pretty much only we do okay. in, the, in the world. So on the, the restaurant's end, we talked a lot about from the user experience, but on the restaurant's end, if you scan a QR code at a specific table, call it table five, um, what does the ticket say? Like, how do how, like is it just say like just know to bring it to that table? Like, is it is are there best practices associated with this? 
Yeah, we're at mo- a lot of um, online ordering systems are just trying to do the COVID la- land grab and not really innovating here. They they make the guests type in their table number. We can actually pre-code the logic up front where the QR code is unique at every table, and that'll just embed and print on the ticket which table it's from. And there's you don't have to do like a free text field um, where the guests can mess up and do a wrong data entry at what table they're at. Yeah. Um, as far to kind of round off the in-venue conversation, um, I know the focus here, obviously a restaurant and stoppable, but the, this goes, the, the, the application of Bebop goes far beyond just like, you know, casual dining. Um, what are the other venues that you're seeing a lot of success with Bebop in? Yeah. So we're seeing success with, um, I think the question, your question is more than just casual dining places. What else am I seeing? Yeah, like where, like, because I know that fast or um, food halls, this is a great application for food halls with a lot of different venues, right? Back to that point that you're making earlier is that, like, you can treat each one of those venues like a different bar, right? So now it knows, like, yeah, that's a good question. What happens when you have, like, eight or, like, 20 on a huge food hall, different restaurants using the same technology? Does it ever, like, does it just a different account for each venue? Yeah, so we actually built a data model underneath the covers that allows you to combine separate vendors into one checkout flow and okay. dynamically send and split the payment and order across multiple. It actually really helps the food halls with credit card fees because they can share that fee, okay. um, essentially. Uh, so, yeah, we, we handle that with food halls. So food halls is one of the segments that is, we're really strong in. And then hotels, hotel rooftop bars, you know, bowling alleys, like things that are like more entertainment, like just a lot of different things besides just regular casual dining that this product is great in. What about like concert venues? We have a few big venues, um, very large venues, and it's great there too, as long as the staff is uh, prepared to make a lot of money. Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. Like you have a venue of 500 seats, right? On the back of every seat, you just put a QR code and now you know exactly which seat to run the food to. Yeah. That's those things really need the dynamic routing of the drinks. Like, uh, they need a B bot because they have like five or six bars and that, you know, you got to group the sections by which bar. It, so when you say a B bot, you mean one of those things that drops from the ceiling? Well, they actually need, they need an OG B bot too. <laughs> they, need some, they need some OG B bots for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we covered the in venue pretty well, unless there's something that you think we're missing from the in venue perspective. No, I, mean, I think that was uh, pretty good. Okay. So any now just real quick on the, um, uh, off premise experience. So why did you see a need to focus a whole different vertical just on off premise? And is it, how is that different? Uh, the main difference is most off-premise happens like you're sitting at home and on the couch and you want some delivery or pickup. Um, so you kind of do that from a laptop or a desktop experience. So you kind of wanted to optimize for a different device you're ordering from. And then also the feature set's a little different because instead of you know a one-minute delivery time of a drink to your table, it's now like 30 minutes traversing over ground to your house or an apartment yeah so you have to integrate with like a driver network or you need to do like zip code and radius stuff to enable the restaurant to do their own delivery drivers so just um it's a different feature set essentially yeah so i guess one of the things i'm curious about is what's 
I don't necessarily, I see the in venue application. It's like clear as day, you know, um, because of, you know, being able to tie the order to a specific table to eliminate the bottlenecking, all that. What's stopping somebody from just having an online ordering like portal, uh, you know, on their website, like order here, you know what I mean? Like what exactly does Bbot do that makes that online or the out of venue experience better? Um, we are that order here button that keeps you on their okay. website ordering on the website. So it's, we are that button. Uh, there are, if you've noticed, I'm sure as a, as someone who's in this industry, there are like three or 40 major companies that do that. Yeah. But yes, that order, we are that button. Got it. Got it. So, um, I think we're, those are most of the big questions I have. Um, I do want to leave plenty of time at the end for Q and a, but before we get to the Q and a, and thank you guys for being patient. I see, I see your, your questions coming in. Um, what's the future of Bbot look like? Um, give us a glimpse of some of the new project projects you guys have, you know, on the horizon and how that's going to make you better. So two major futures, one is we're going to double down on investment in making that in-venue experience the most unique, cleanest experience so that restaurants think of us when they think about um, in-venue mobile ordering. And then the other thing, just following the trend and seeing all these restaurants, all these restaurants, like I said, are, are in some ways becoming more technology-focused, more of a tech company, and that's going to happen over the next five years. So we're also going to make a self-service API, low-code, no-code, where restaurants can configure their own setups and extend the product in their own way, whether they have a friend who's a developer or whether they can make some templates themselves. That's like the product of the future. We're building that now. Um, okay. So, secret. Yeah. so if I'm a restaurateur and I'm hearing this right now, and I go, oh, my God, I can manipulate and create my own process and system that works specifically for my needs where do i go to learn how to do this stuff yeah so we're gonna this is a this is gonna be another year-long project for bebout where we've been ramping up uh you know our engineering team in secret and we're really hacking at this this self-service solution now we'll have tons of guides we're gonna have we're going to have all kinds of material. It's going to be like a Udacity, like Coursera type courses on how you can really own your own tech. And, you know, Bebot can be just one of the components you leverage in building on top your own setup. And this is a huge solution because one of the, and for the past 10 years, what's been plaguing the industry is that all this technology that we invest in, all the, the, the APIs are, they don't, they don't talk well. We can't get our, our stuff to work together. Um, so if you can create your own solution, customize it for what your specific needs are, the, the, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like the equivalent to like having a, a 3d printer, you know, yeah. you can literally do whatever I, you want. I want to, I call it Roblox. It's Roblox for restaurants. Yeah. Like I want to basically, I really feel passionate about this. The biggest frustration I had in building this company is that if I wanted to integrate with any other restaurant tech, you have to talk to an army of business development people and they stonewall you for months. See, this is a and, perfect, sorry, keep going, keep going. Yeah. No, no. So that I, this is like, I'm on a crusade now to make it so that any restaurant can just use tech without having to like hit an army of business development people. So this is a perfect example of back to what we were talking about earlier. When we think of, Oh, like all these technologies are going to replace people. Yeah. Maybe like dishwashers and 
might have trouble finding jobs and, and things like that. Um, I don't think, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think we need to free up those, that potential human power, you know, like the, that brain power, like, like, but what this is going to do is create so much. Think about the jobs that like you're going to be able to create. We have Adam in here, Adam Johnson right now. I'm thinking of him, like somebody like that. Who's like, Oh, like I can get in there and I can start developing skills on how to create custom solutions for restaurants. And now you're creating opportunity. You're leveling the playing field. So this is going to be a whole new vertical. Like, I am so excited about this. I am trying to eliminate the jobs I'm trying to eliminate are business development people. I'm trying to eliminate them. <laughs> but I mean, and we're going to do that. Yeah. And we're going to give power back to the restaurants. But I guess we, we might eliminate a lot of low, like basic, like frontline jobs. But at the same time, we're going to be creating, we're going to be spreading the wealth out and we're going to be creating a lot more middle class type of jobs. Um, and I think that's a good thing. We, and um, I think we need to free up that human potential, you know, brain power to like not wash dishes and to, you know, code solutions for restaurants. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I think the future is really, really hopeful. Um, when, when Roblox. Bun- it's yeah. future is Roblox, right? <laughs> I'm um, what about other, any other integrations? Um, I know of one that I've heard rumor of. Um, I don't know if it's under wraps and I don't want to, I don't know if you're privy to talk about it, but I figured I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to talk about any other, maybe website development integration opportunities coming up in the future. Uh, uh, you know, I want to keep it all under wraps for now. I, um, we're working teams, working hard on some really cool new stuff. Let me keep it it under wraps. You don't have to name the names of the business, but give me an example. Uh, you probably, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't want to put you on the spot. (laughs) No, I mean, Um, the main thing is just so you should know what we're building is it's a race to this self-service low code slash no code world for restaurants where they can configure their own systems. Okay, got it. Um, all right, I think I have all the questions I've asked. Is there anything that you were hoping we would discuss today that we didn't talk about? No, I mean, I thought it was awesome, man. Yeah, you were great. Exceeded my expectations. You guys are great. <laughs> awesome. All right, so I'm going to open it up now uh, for Q&A, but first, we just got to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs, and effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you already use and trust like toast, turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months absolutely free. Head over to www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S.com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Get on it. We're back and we're ready for some Q and a, our first uh, question is coming from Ramon. Ramon, uh, hit us. What do you got? Feel free to give yourself a plug to you and your business. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, just more tacos here from Michigan. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to thank you for your time, man. Absolutely insane. What you're doing, uh, pioneering this industry into a new direction, man. Thank you. Um, so that being said with crypto being so hot and me, having a little bit of it, would you see in the future you guys accepting cryptocurrency? Because I feel like that would be a great way for people to start using it on the daily. Um, 
just as a way of uh, payment. Yeah, let me do the product manager thing and ask you for a quick second. So let's say there was an option if you built in your restaurant experience where like when they check out, maybe they could round up that could round up the the checkout and convert some of their money to Bitcoin. Cause you know, not everyone's going to have Bitcoin when they come in, but a small percentage will. So do you also want guests to be able to like easily convert their existing money to Bitcoin or is it just purely if they have Bitcoin already? I would say, so like I own some, right? So like I'm going to my favorite taco shop, right? I want to use some of my Bitcoin to purchase some of them because they might be accepting Bitcoin, you know? So they would do their, their own charges and stuff like that. So yeah, I think that we, um, so we're built under the covers. We're adding a product called Spreedly, which allows you to, allows us to take different types of payment over time. Um, and so it, you know, again, we're trying to create an elegant solution for our industry, but underneath it, there's some other tech we use. So if those platforms are going to let us add that, then there was, there's no reason we want it. So something like a Stripe or a Spreedly, if they make it easy for us to give you, access for restaurants to crypto or a hundred percent in. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. Alrighty. Great cut. Great, great question, Ramon. Thank you. Um, all right, Wes, I'm coming to you next. Uh, just unmute your mic and uh, the, the floor is yours. All right. Yeah, really appreciate your time. Um, I, I really like what Bebot has to offer. There's a lot of interesting, uh, applications. Um, and so I was listening and I, so I thought Bebot was already open API. It kind of sounds like maybe that's coming or just in being enhanced. Uh, and uh, which, so given that it's currently open API, that already allows for sort of wider use and integration. And I'm kind of curious, just what is the most interesting uh, or unique integration that you've seen? Uh, yeah, so I would say, we are an open API now, like any, we invite any partner to build on it. What I really want to get to, which is coming is full self-service, mm-hmm. meaning like you can generate your own API credentials right through our website without having to even get approval. You know what I mean? Okay. So the self-service is coming and that's going to be, I'm very excited about that. Integrations that our partners have already built that we really like, um, I really like all of the guest feedback and intelligence integrations that are on our platform already. So something like a uh, Yum Pingo or Ovation. Um, you know, if I'm ordering at the table, uh, we can automatically uh, text the guests the 30 minutes after their meal with one of our partners' links to do a review, and that gives the restaurant all of the data wow. of how that went. And so love that kind of integration uh, extending our platform. So... I'm excited for this application with Wes and what he's got going on because he's got a uh, – it's going to be a game. You can explain it better, Wes. Explain yeah. your, your vision. So what I'm working on right now is starting a board game cafe. And so a couple different legs to that. Uh, the the venue that I'm working towards is a 1950s bowling alley that's had the lanes taken out of it um, with sort of a goal to have like a patio area uh, that doesn't exist. It, we'd have to build it out. Um, but sort of future plans, uh, Bebot just seems to fit really well when you have the ability to say, eh, I don't like these 
items going out to the patio. I'm in uh, Mattoon, Illinois, so the windy Midwest, and there's just some stuff that you don't want out there. And then uh, for my application, I think that when you start building out menus and inventory and you say, well, this is a, a menu in the POS, but it's actually a library of board games that people can mm. rent and check yeah. out. And you can set up an inventory. You can 86 the, the board games when the library is all out there and maybe have a quarantine period or given COVID times. And well, uh, I love that. So I'm, yeah. I'm curious, Steve, with, with that concept that <clears throat> Wes just dropped on you, what are some of the considerations that immediately come to your mind? So, um, Wes, this is one of the reasons we're building the self-service API as well is, look, you could probably get it all done with out-of-the-box Bbot. However... Ordering a board game is actually a little different than ordering a burger in that you return the item into stock instead mm-hmm. of eating. So there are some there are some edge cases that come with that. I'd love to definitely dive in with you on that, but it, it certainly can work as as we have it now. But I actually think you're going to want to add a little bit of magic on top of something like a Bbot order management system to to really tailor the uh, returning of the game in like the time window that it's out for. Magic, so is that a board game reference? Uh, I would say, by the way, I love the board <laughs> game idea. I am a, this is a fun fact about me. I'm, the, I'm a big board game and card game person. I'm the, okay. 20, I'm the 2013 uh, Game of Thrones, the card game national champion. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I am a competitive, and I was a competitive Magic player, so All right. I'm super geeky. with and I, and I love like European-style board games like Agricola, Power Grid. Like that. That's that's the plan. I, we're, we're not necessarily trying to be the, the tournament magic host spot. It's new people. That's the market is bring new people to the industry. Oh, yeah. I always try to get new people into like there's like the gateway drug board games <laughs> and then you get them to the next level of board game after uh-huh. the gateway drug. I always. Yeah. You mean to tell me the, the electrical and nuclear engineer likes nerdy board games. I would have never guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Wes, do you have any other follow-up questions before we move on? I have uh, several questions. I can keep going. Uh, well, let, yeah, let's, let's move it around. around. Uh, if you if you can uh, kind of refine your, your question internally, we'll, we'll jump over to Martha. Uh, Martha, if you want to go ahead and unmute your mic. I know you have two questions. Okay. Um, let's just start with that first question yeah. about demographic. Oh, oh, well, I was just... I actually... If we could just go to the second question, because I feel like you did answer the okay. first question pretty well. Okay. Um, so uh, my husband and I were looking to start a barbecue restaurant. Um, and what we want is uh, our ordering processes. You know, people are going to go to the counter. They're going to order their food. We think that going to the counter is part of the experience. Like you get to see brisket getting sliced in front of you and just, you know, see you the the food kind of prepared in front of you um that's something that we want as part of the process but you know typically when you do that you get a number and you go sit down at your table what i was wondering is do you have any customers with a similar ordering model that utilize uh bebop absolutely um and how do they do it so the the counter model you would use a traditional pos like a square or a toast and then we have a lot of customers that do that. And then they have a separate smaller menu for snacks and drinks with Bebot at the table for reorders. And then the, you text them to come pick that up at the counter. So you're, you're still doing the, a lot of our customers have the counter experience and then still uh, use something like us to upsell at the table. 
for reorders. I really love that. <laughs> uh, it, it I works really, really, well. really do. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I didn't know that such a thing existed, but I think it's pretty awesome. Um, and then you probably can get into this later. Like, I'm just trying to figure out what everything's going to cost me. Um, no. So uh, how much does something like that, like, go for a month? Just because I, I'm just trying to put together, like, initial budgets and stuff like that. And I definitely, it just sounds like a really cool yeah. um, offering. And it's something that I would like to do. I just want to see if we can budget for it. Yeah, we're small business focused, so we've always been small business focused. So we're but you know we're priced accordingly. Um, you know our software it runs ninety nine bucks a month for that whole setup, and then there's just like a, similar to Square or Toast, like there's always like right. the processing fees um, that are at the, like the three percent or less range. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Any other questions uh, from any or Martha? Do you have a follow up question? You good? I think that I'm good. Um, like the other question I had, was about demographics. Um, but I, I just like the idea that you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, you could still have a waitress come to your table. You can still have that personal experience. And that's, that's, I think part of, I think the dining experience. Um, I really want to get into like hospitality, you know, making people feel welcome. Um, and I, I just don't want to see that get lost, but I do like the idea of, you know, having someone greet, you when you walk into the restaurant make you feel welcome go through the system i feel like that it's not really being taken away when you do that um and then you eventually will have you know if you do order more food on your app you, you know or you could actually just get back in line if you want more food. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, absolutely. so specifically absolutely. martha i think what martha was concerned i think she has an older demographic and uh, i'm curious i'm curious about this it's, too it's a mix yeah. yeah have you seen the uh adoption of bebot uh, how has that been with the older demographic? It, it, one of my yeah, one of my favorite stories is uh, we have a bar by Madison Square Garden, and before COVID, this was before COVID, uh, there was like a big Billy Joel concert, and there was four like older women at a table, and they were all ordering on their QR code system on Bebot, and the one lady I introduced myself to do some product research, and the one lady was like, finally, I don't have to split the wine bill with these women. I don't drink. I always go out with these four ladies. <laughs> And I don't have to pay for their wine anymore. This is great. <laughs> so I actually think the older generation is going to like it. Yeah. Um, awesome. And if nobody else has any other questions, I think I can come back to Wes. Um, actually, Ramon, I'll come back to you. It's been a while since we heard your voice. I'm lowering your hand. I'll mute your mic. Go for it. Uh, so you talked about the the OG B-Bot. Um, what are the costings of that as well, too? The OG B-Bot is $1,000 per robot per month. If you want to do a full robotic bar, it's about you need three of them. So about thirty six grand a year, you could have a fully robotic restaurant. Minimum wage is going to fifteen bucks an hour. I'm just going to throw that out there. Hey, that's so, why I'm asking. Yeah, a thousand bucks sounds like a lot, but you it's know. actually yeah. I mean, uh, you can I can anyone who wants to interested in that product line can talk to the bar owner in Cincinnati. I can set up that appointment. He's, it's really helped their business tremendously. To pay somebody to run food at a minimum wage of uh, 15 bucks an hour would be $2,400 a month. Just, well, just throwing it out there. I'm in Michigan, so Cincinnati's three-hour drive, you know? <laughs> oh, you got to go check it out, dude. Tokyo. Uh, yeah, 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 it's, for sure. It's sweet. Yeah, you'll love it. I mean, nice. it's awesome. Thanks for bringing it on my radar, man. I appreciate it. All yeah. right. Wes, coming back to you, my man. All right. Uh 
so I've got some questions about sort of the the dot menu domain. Uh, so you, when you do the restaurant, uh, somebody uses the QR code, or even if they're doing online ordering, it uh, takes them from the restaurant website to, you know, in my case, the name would be like Wondering Whistler Cafe dot menu instead of dot com. And then that would have sort of a banner at the top with my branding and whatever I want. Uh, and then sort of the menu breakdown and then you get into like a list of uh, sort of rectangular boxes uh, with the menu item and a picture if I want it. Um, is that pretty accurate for what the, the breakdown is? Yeah, absolutely. And then if you had different menus, maybe if you had a board game menu, mm -hmm. those would be along the top as well. You could do different menus yeah. in different brands. And then also, so that's exactly right. Um, you don't have to do a dot menu. We just do that as like a branding thing. And we buy a lot of those for our customers. You can okay. do a dot com as well. Okay. So there's a school of thought that sort of taking you off the website and onto something separate and having that uh, that sort of click out is uh, sort of a drawback that should be avoided. Uh, do you consider uh, your solution to be leaving the website and do you consider that a drawback? Uh, actually, I do agree with your school of thought. We do encourage people who have guests coming to their homepage to embed, you can either embed Bbot by subdomaining. So like order, you stay on your domain. So order.yourdomain.com. So a subdomaining keeps them in the, Keeps them on your domain. Um, and we set that up for a lot of our customers too. Okay. And uh, a follow up off of that is that so that the sort of white box with the menu item and, uh, and, and a picture is kind of pretty common within the industry for a lot of the early adopters and the people that are migrating of I need, I need an online ordering solution. Let's put something together. Um, and so let's say that you have like a really branded website where you have, you know, uh, maybe you're an Asian place and you have like rice paper that your menu items are on uh, normally. And now you go to online ordering and you've got these white boxes and it's kind of blocky. And is there any ability or plans to sort of integrate with customers existing branding or examples? We can go a lot further than what you see there. If you go to like rooftop.menu, you can see okay. an example of like changing the background, like changing the colors further in the fonts and getting into your branding even even more. Um, okay. we're, we're always extending that functionality. And then lastly, again, back to the, the long-term vision of Roblox for restaurants. Restaurants should be able to make their own templates on top of our system as well. That'd be really cool. Um, but if you look at rooftop.menu, that's like an example where you can. Okay. All right. I think those are all the questions. I don't see any other hands going up. Uh, before we say goodbye, Steve, any final thoughts? Any last words? Uh, no, I really appreciate everyone's time. I saw the cool Mexico shirt uh, from the Adam guy who didn't ask me any questions. Adam, that's uh, I like that. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no other questions, you know? Awesome. And I will say that um, Bebot, well, I want to say personally, thank you, Steve, for sponsoring Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast. I wouldn't be able to do what I do without people like you guys uh, sponsoring the show and supporting the show. And I, for the record, I reached out to Bebot to be a sponsor because they're being recommended on the show. And I really try to partner with the tools and services my guests are most recommending. And if you guys are interested in Bebot, head over to meetbebot.com slash unstoppable. And if you use that link, you will get a three month free uh, 
access to Bebot for using that link. Uh, so, you know, pretty great deal. And uh, thank you for the incentive. And uh, just thank you for your time. Oh, awesome. wait. How do we connect? What do you mean? If there's there a way to connect, I mean, obviously, get Be- get get bbot.com but any other way any other oh, social handles or anything yeah, like meet that bbot.com uh meet bbot it's meet bbot on twitter meet bbot on instagram uh and then steve at bbot.menu anyone can email me oh and i almost forgot to ask you this is a tradition here at restaurant unstoppable uh, we find all of our future guests by having my current guest call somebody out so who is a restaurant owner or operator somebody that you've come across over your time working in the industry that really that, that impresses you and that you would admire who who should i get on the show i mean you've got to get the uh gorilla cinema team out of cincinnati they have like seven or eight great spots in cincinnati area they use the robots nice they're they're really forward-thinking restaurant. Gorilla Great. Cinema. Look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you Gorilla on the show. Gorilla Cinema. You got to right. get him on. We can say goodbye now. Thanks again, Steve. I really do appreciate you taking the time to share the Bebot story and uh, just all the benefits of using Bebot. There is no questioning. You and Bebot are unstoppable. Thanks. <laughs> Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to Steve for joining us today, uh, sharing your backstory, the Bebot backstory, the benefits of Bebot, and the future of the industry. It was a lot of fun talking with you today. If you guys are interested in Bebot, head to meetbebot.com slash restaurant hyphen unstoppable. If you use that link, you'll get three months free, your first three months free of Bebot. And again, that's meetbebot.com slash restaurant hyphen unstoppable. And uh, lots of great things came from today's chat. I think I'm really excited for the future of the industry, the efficiencies that are coming. And I know sometimes it's weird to think about you know, the evolution of the industry and jobs lost, but like Steve pointed out, there's also tons of opportunity on the horizon. And I think there, there opportunity for more middle class, uh, middle tier jobs versus low tier jobs, which I think the restaurant industry is kind of notorious for creating those, those low tier entry level jobs, uh, which I think is good news for the industry. Um, I'm excited for the future. I really enjoyed today's chat. And if you guys want to be a part of these conversations, you notice that there was a Q&A at the end of today's conversation. This was a live event in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. And uh, the idea behind this network is to literally connect you with the tools uh, and technologies my guests are recommending and to connect you with my guests one-on-one for peer mentoring. So if you're interested in that, uh, make sure you head to the show notes. There's a link in the show notes. This is episode 790. So head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 790. We'll link to a summary of today's discussion as well as how to get into the network over there. And we got a lot of cool stuff coming up in the network. For starters, every Tuesday and Thursday, I make myself available for an hour just for like whatever you want to talk about. I'm just available to be there for you to, to kick the can to be a shoulder to, to cry on to lean on whatever you need I'm there for you and then we also do these live events so we do the workshops with the, the CEOs and founders of these tech companies we also do demos and next week Monday April 5th uh, at 1 p.m. we have the VP of sales coming into the network to do a live demo we also have the, the day this episode goes live Adam Rosenbaum he was last week's guest um, he is joining us live 
in the network to reflect on his episode and do some peer mentoring. Uh, Adam Rosenbaum is the chief meatballer of the meatball shop in New York City. Uh, really great people that you can literally ask any question you want to these individuals. That's what I'm doing in the network. I'm, I'm connecting this generation of leaders with the next generation of leaders, and I want you to be a part of it. Head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 790. Join the network. What are you waiting for? Don't be a knucklehead. Oh, and I can't forget to mention next week, uh, beginning April 6th at 10 a.m., we have our first ever live course. And right off the heels of that, April 7th, we have our second live course. The first course is going to be Unstoppable Delivery with Scott Landers. And the second course is going to be Food Costing and Profit 101 with Rudy Mick. Both these courses are going to have a one-hour lecture and Q&A combined one hour and we're going to go slowly and deeply into these topics step by step how to implement native delivery in your business and how to develop a food costing and profit system that will just take you to the next level those are the two subjects i want you to be a part of this um we'll link to those also in the show notes that's uh restaurantunstoppable.com slash 790 if you're interested in joining us live through these courses and being a part of the pure mentoring with Adam Rosenbaum founder and chief baller of the meatball shop and the live demo with Bebot all happening within the next seven days there's a lot going on I couldn't be more excited and I, and I can't wait to have you guys come with us alright that's it for today until next time peace out peace out